0: Hey everybody, hope you're doing well. Welcome to another episode of The Table Podcast. I am Nick Hand, and hey, I hope you're taking care of yourself out there. Life can be a little bit crazy, um, so do that. Take care of yourself. Uh, if you've been enjoying the podcast, tell your friends, like, rate, subscribe, review, all those good things that we do, you know, spread the word, and uh, get people listening. Today is going to be another, my honestly, one of the most mind-blowing conversations uh incredible incredible talk with Samuel Rodriguez um does so many different things from being a movie producer, civil rights activist, he's an incredible preacher. He has a new book out in fact called You Are Next. You can check it out and if you want more information on uh Pastor Samuel Rodriguez. Uh you can check him out on his website pastorsam.com. This conversation transcends though the context of spirituality and religion and all that kind of stuff. We actually spent a lot of time talking politics and policy and different things like that so prepare to have your mind blown it's going to be a great conversation no matter where you come from no matter what your background is no matter what your faith is your belief system that you subscribe to there is something for everybody to learn from this conversation and I hope you enjoy it ladies and gentlemen without further ado Sammy Rodriguez
1: First the barricade, now the table.
0: How do you get used to doing so many different formats because like what the vert i mean depending on your element and where you 're at and what you 're doing, your delivery is different absolutely I mean drastically different is absolutely. some of that natural for you or it's, is that intentional
1: it 's both okay it 's naturally intentional okay it really is so you read your audience yeah and, and you accommodate according to your your content should 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 be consistent there should yeah. be continuity in your content. The wineskin, skin—that's a variable. Right. You shift. I do a lot of Southern Baptist Convention events. So I do a lot of very interesting. How clips. are you
0: doing it though? When you're going like on Fox News or CNN or these shows? Like, I mean.
1: Right. That's 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 conversational. Yeah. And it's you know it's more social, cultural, political. Yeah. So you pivot. I go horizontal. I call it going, so this is vertical. Uh huh. But you go horizontal. Meaning what? Horizontal. You go. You you shift more to your, so. This is my Billy Graham motif. Okay. That's my Dr. King motif. Okay. So So are you thinking of that? Yes. My objective is um, every given day, any given day on any platform, any microphone, it's either Billy Graham or Dr. King. Really? Yeah. When did you
0: start doing that? I was 14. When you started thinking like that? Yeah.
1: Because I I saw Billy Graham on a a, a television crusade. Then I saw Dr. King on PBS in a special. He already passed away, of course. Wow. And I said, I'm going to... I'm gonna marry these guys. Like yeah. somehow, I'm gonna connect them. Like no one has ever connected Billy Graham and Dr. King. Yeah. I want to be like the first person to ever marry Billy Graham's message to Dr. King's march. Yeah, I want to marry Billy Graham and Dr. King. I think that's the answer. If, so, in, in America, if we could marry Billy Graham and Dr. King, that's righteousness and justice. We win. Yeah, that's how we change the world. Is
0: it ever difficult? Is it do you ever? Is it hard to to navigate the two, or is it just like is it th- almost second nature for you? I
1: think it comes second nature now because uh-huh. after so many years. And you just have to be careful. You don't want to be too preach, you don't want to be too Billy Grahamish on a Dr. King platform. Right. And you don't want to be too Dr. King on a Billy Graham platform.
0: How did you end up on the Dr. King platform, being that I mean... It's a
1: supernatural thing. So it and, really and is. I was 14 years old, I had a guy come in from Teen Challenge, never met the man before. To, she was there when it happened to my wife. Guy, never met the guy before, said there's a Sammy, a Sammy in this church. A Sammy, just not a young man, up. a Sammy. So, if you don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit, yeah. you're, you're missing it because it's, it's, I mean, there's, I, there's fake stuff and there's real stuff. Right, right. Just to see I'm And then he starts reading my mail and laid out my entire destiny. When you're 14 and God begins to tell you, you're going to pray over presidents,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I'm going to be connected to the most influential people on the planet crazy.
0: So did you almost ex- I mean, did you, like all this stuff? I mean, you were at the inauguration all things yeah, like that. Did, did. Were, was, were you expecting these things along the way? I mean, I,
1: I was expecting them to happen. Yeah. I had a sense of expectation. you will never receive what you don't have an expectation for. Mm. So you have to be expecting it. Yeah. Now this, the particularities of when, how, where, why? No, I knew that it was inevitable.
0: And you never had like, did you ever have moments where it's like, is this going to happen? Yes, or? Okay. yes
1: absolutely. When when things got dark, when things get dark, you, there's there's, we all struggle at least with vestiges of unbelief. Mm. Every one of us, we go through storms, trials, pits,
0: yeah. and
1: when we go through pits and moments of darkness, that's where our faith has to stay and elevated. But that that's that's beyond us. Like that's where we get moments of God and all the all the the spiritual leverage that you every single prayer you ever made, yeah. every time in, in God's presence, it all elevates. The, that immunotherapy kicks right. in and bingo yeah. so I've lived it man the movie yeah uh, you know God gave me a word years back He said Hollywood uh, specifically Hollywood and I'm going what and here I am producing yeah. movies man how much of
0: it for you has caught you by surprise then if all that stuff has been somewhat expected the like Hollywood forecasted? out of
1: everything the presidential stuff did not because I there was a there was a word the Hollywood there was a word but with Hollywood there came more of the, the acceleration of it yeah that surprised me
0: yeah how, how fast it was
1: oh yeah it took off yeah like like this yeah and now we're doing other movies and and, and it's pretty amazing
0: and you had experience in this or dope no no yeah it's just,
1: it's a, and i did a little bit of acting yeah I did a little bit into a little bit of acting yeah. and i mean minor cameo roles that sort of stuff. and i did a lot of I did, i've done consulting with different studios mm-hmm. paramount sony uh, you know and so forth 20th Century Fox. So I've done consulting on different movies different projects where they bring me into studio heads They have me evaluate a movie. What do I think script analysis? That sort of thing, but never at the production level where it's my idea. Yeah uh, So this is the first at an executive producing level, which is pretty amazing
0: There's a lot of people when I watch them in different environments. It almost is like um they flip a switch and they turn it on and they are performing and uh sometimes it can come across a bit contrived anytime that i've seen you it always seems very authentic even though it is a distinct different hat
1: how do you how do you do that authenticity just, it, it's just um, i am obsessed with what i call my seven h's like being real okay because again i, I grew up in church my parents are not preachers so you have to know my background yeah i'm a math nerd i went to lehigh university yeah. uh, my mind is very linear sequential uh-huh. and So, I doubted a lot of the stuff I saw in in church and on Christian television, particularly. Uh Like, it turned me off.
0: Yeah.
1: That was exuberance, that's emotionalism, or that's just pure, you know, Elmer Gentry snake oil salesman. Right. That's fake, man. Right. Now, was I judgmental? Yes. Was I 14? Yes. (laughs) Uh, But a lot of it turned me off. And some of it was pathetic, you know, truth be told. Uh, but a lot of it was likewise prophetic, and I didn't have the maturity or the, or the capacity to, to accommodate my mind the reality of how God works. All of that to say, I learned I have a rubric. It's called the Seven H's. Live mm. a holy, healed, healthy, happy, humble, hungry, honoring life,
0: mm.
1: and God will favor you wherever you go, yeah. and he, you can change the world. Live a holy, healed, healthy, happy, humble, hungry, honoring life. Yeah, my Seven H's. I live them out every single year, so every I would, single day. I
0: would imagine. That is easier said than done, right? I mean, do you feel the pressure to... Because we live in that world. The pressure to... If you're going to be a preacher, run in the preacher lane. If you're going to be like that pressure that you have to fit a mold, how do you live...
1: Don't fit the mold. Why not create one? Does it never bother you? It does. Because I'm not... But like, you break wineskins. Okay. Like, you, you break the typical, normal delivery mechanism yeah. and you go beyond it, uh-huh. why not do something new? This obsession with the new yeah, drives yeah. me.
0: Uh, like I'm
1: an innovator. I, I want to see new things. I want to see church done in a new way. Again, we don't, we're not diluting like, the truth right. of the gospel. That right. never changes. Yeah. The wine never changes, but the skin should be constantly changing
0: mm-hmm.
1: in order to reach generations and, and cultural shifts,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that dynamic fluidity of culture. And just the, the social, political, uh, psychosocial spectrum. Yeah, do it, man. Don't you don't have to sell out the wine. So I'm always looking for something new and innovative and creative. Yeah, and that's just me. I wake up in the morning driven by what's new.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you personally experienced rejection when you try to step out of the bounds oh, yeah, of what yeah, people yeah, are comfortable
1: uh, with? Uh, p- rejection, uh, pushback. Yeah, measurable pushback. But you just
0: say whatever. That's just it. <laughs> it
1: doesn't define me. Yeah. So I, it doesn't define me. Uh-huh. Like you know, today I had an interview on the BBC. And they called me up you know, at BBC, and that, you know, that's the British yeah, that's yeah, right. and then they're interviewing me, and and they brought up something. And, and by the way, Pastor Sam, uh, there's another person uh, that actually you know doesn't agree with what you. And the person's name is this, and the person thinks that you're blah 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 yeah. blah. And I'm going like, and yeah. And the reporter's going like, what do you mean And I go, like, and who cares? <laughs> they were, <laughs> like, yeah. why? Why would I yeah. care? Yeah. Like, that doesn't define me. Like, I don't wake up in the morning going like, what does that person think? I don't give a holy hoot, Yeah, respectfully, with great due deference, that's how you, you you know, (laughs) sway it off. And no, so I just, you know, again, if you live in transparency and authenticity and you can go to sleep at night knowing that you live at seven H's, you know, a holy, healed, healthy, happy, humble, hungry enough, nothing really bothers you you yeah. just continue to pursue righteousness and believe it. i've lived it man so i know that i know that this thing is much more real than you and i could ever imagine
0: do you feel the pressure though do you feel the pressure to be what people want you to them what they want you to be
1: i don't i don't f- when you're
0: when you're sitting on fox news or uh-huh. cnn and they're grilling you with uh the, with the tough i mean they and they're looking for nuance they're looking for you to slip up you know what i mean it's it's sound bite, it's not totally, it's totally, not let's totally, have a conversation totally. no, 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 and read no. between it's, the lines yeah, yeah. do you ever feel that or do i you,
1: I, I feel the pressure not of people okay. i feel the pressure of sam don't put your foot in your mouth mm. don't be driven by your your affective domain don't be driven by the, the emotion of the moment mm-hmm. And it's going to sound really spiritual right now but literally sam listen to the holy spirit Mm -hmm. don't blow it man just hear god and speak what god is telling you so by the grace of god you know uh, we haven't had you know one hiccup have you ever gotten fired
0: up on on when you're live on tv
1: in interviews that are righteousness and justice issues Yeah. yeah like when the reporter gets really like you know condescending sarcastic or a bit I push back, but not in an angry way, yeah. in a way that they understand that intellectually speaking, we could have a, a very interesting, a very viable conversation, yeah. but I'm not gonna take it. You know, If right. there's something that's very condescending or negative, I'm not gonna walk out and go like, aha. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, at the end of the day. How did
0: those opportunities even, f- how did those opportunities specifically find your TV? Super, I, can Just you, phone calls, though? I mean, like, what was it, a phone call, it, a text? It began email? with the
1: Bush administration, I got a call, uh, You've to, been since then, since yeah, the Bush administration? Yeah, I, was, I, was, I worked with Bush, I worked with Obama for eight years, and now I'm working with President Trump. S-
0: so you're, you're going across all kinds of Democrat, Republican, yeah, independent Yeah, I'm not a lines. Republican or
1: Democrat. I'm an independent. But I'm a born-again Christian, which means that I have biblical values. I'm staunchly pro-life. I believe in religious liberty, and I do biblical justice in the name of Jesus. Yeah. These are the three things that guide me. So... I'm driven by by what I call the lamb's agenda. I don't Mm -hmm. marry the donkey, I don't marry the elephant, I only worship the lamb. Mm -hmm. Uh, So as a Christian, I'm a lamb's agenda guy, which means I work with Nancy Pelosi and I work with Donald Trump. And I I may disagree with them on specific issues, but my job is to go in there and speak prophetically, which is not weird. To speak prophetically is to speak truth to power with great grace and nuance and love, with great due deference, real respect, and by the grace of God, I've been doing it since 2006 and here we are.
0: Is it hard to talk to those people and be honest because of the power they possess?
1: It's not hard, it's... it's I mean, do you feel that? Do you ever I, don't, I, don't, I feel there are moments that I walked out, called my wife and said, I'm never gonna be invited again. Uh, because I was too honest. But okay. There's never too much honesty. Yeah. Again, As long as you do it with, with care and humility and you're not that guy and you're not arrogant, but you speak truth to power on any issue. On any issue and I've walked out going like wow I've likewise seen the most influ, the most powerful political person on the planet listen to yours truly and, and actually exercise and do what mm. I recommended mm. in a matter of a day
0: because sometimes when you me, look, that's crazy yeah well yeah it's it's scared, that,
1: that puts the fear of God in me yeah that it could never be my agenda it can never be me I can never use that influence or leverage for my personal gain or favor I know that the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. That sounds old school, yeah. But it's the word. So if I blow it, if I go in there with my arrogance and my agenda, if I'm fake, man, yeah, God will shut the door in my face. Yeah, that I know for certain. Yeah. So I walk in there with God. I don't want to blow this. I want to do Your will, and it's it's pretty amazing. It, it's yeah. humbling.
0: It's not, and I, it, that is definitely a thing people struggle with. You know, you come to the table because you're authentic in yourself, but then sometimes there's that pressure to be what. What everybody else in the room you know, wants I, you to I've be. I've
1: been there. And the pressure is there. You just can't surrender. This so is how, what, how do you
0: know, practically, though, not surrender? How do you say, okay, because <laughs> I mean, so in the moment.
1: And, 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 and there have been moments. Never sac- you are what you tolerate. Mm. Today's complacency is tomorrow's captivity. Don't be complacent. Never sacrifice truth on the altar of political expediency. Ever, ever, ever. Ever. Yeah. There's no such thing as comfortable. Christianity. What do you mean?
0: Go back. What do you mean by that? Never sacrifice truth. Yeah,
1: you, there are moments. There are tons of moments, especially in, in, the, in the political media realm. Yeah. My goodness. Just like I, I alluded to today. Yeah. There were moments I was pushed yeah. If I would be a little bit more nuanced on a mm-hmm. certain ideology or belief system. I would have been on the cover of that magazine, yeah. but I, but I wouldn't. I mean, I couldn't, I could not live with Sam Rodriguez.
0: Is it because it's, it's watered down or because it's completely it's polar, polar, polar opposite it's, of what you it's believe? It's both. Okay.
1: It was a watered down and then subsequently polar opposite. Because so it does
0: it does seem like you are very cognizant and aware of being responsible for the words that you use. You have you to know be. what I mean? So you, like, you, 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 depending words, on your audience.
1: Bo- no, in any, in, as, we, as it pertains to any audience, your words should never be abrasive. Uh-huh. They should be reconciliatory yet authoritative. You could be both. You could speak truth to power in a very authoritative manner that has a reconciliatory outcome. Okay. And I, I definitely do mince my words Mm -hmm. and there's a filter Uh, there's a, there's a filter that is beautifully God ordained and, and self applied. So
0: how do you define abrasive versus the other that you're talking about?
1: Well, abrasive is where the outcome is, is clash is confrontation. And my objective in all of my conversations is not to confront, but to convict. Mm. And there's a difference. What is it? The, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit convicts. I wanna to speak to you with where the, literally the Spirit of God will grab a hold of your heart and convict you mm-hmm. to, to see something different. Mm. And, but I just don't wanna fight you. Yeah. I, I, I wanna see a change in you and I wanna see a change in a culture or society. The outcome is, I speak to people for the purpose of seeing a change. Right. Change in behavior, change in a way of thinking. At the end of the day, to make us better. And I always begin in any conversation, even if it's hostile initially, mm-hmm. with the following. That guy in front of me, he carries the image of God. Mm. I don't care who he is. So that woman, that woman, that woman, she carries it. I don't care who it is. I don't care if they're atheist. I don't care what gender, sexual preference, political belief, they carry the image of God. Mm. I begin with that. So I have to respect that person and treat them with love With love, now. Yeah. As Christians, we're not called to tolerate. We're called to love. We yeah. go way beyond tolerance. Mm. I'm not called to tolerate you, I'm called to love you. Mm-hmm. And every conversation should be led by love, ignited with the truth of the gospel, and God will take care of the rest. There are things I can't do. I just you know believe him to take care of the rest
0: yeah, just do what you can and
1: that's my assignment i'm just I'm just a pizza delivery guy I don't make the pizza, yeah, he does, and I just deliver it
0: there's a lot of i think from the outside perspective of just general population when you look at politics you there's an assumption that they're not really listening. So to hear you, you know say that you go into these environments invited into conversations, do you feel like are, are those you know just for an outsider into the politi- asking questions into the political realm, do you feel like those things that are talked about are fully invited in and considered, or when you go into those environments have decisions kind of been made behind the curtain, but we' as a token we're inviting these
1: recently i had i finished a conference in in Baltimore speaking a vertical conference, so i'm preaching. Mm-hmm. And I get off the stage and and I'm going to my assistant, George, and I get a call and it was Nancy Pelosi. Mm. And she called on a Saturday mm. afternoon from her cell phone. And I called her back. And we had a conversation. And it was a genuine, authentic conversation about mm. a liberal. It wasn't something already pre-organized, pre-prepped. And it was a conversation asking me to call the White House on certain issues. And that humbles me. Yeah. To me, it's like, you know, make sure no pre-programmed agenda on her behalf. Yep. There was authenticity. There was sincerity of heart. You felt it, and then subsequently, there were statements that were made to substantiate that. So, again, do I invite it? No. Do yeah. I do I do I knock and go? Can I compart- can I be part of a meeting? Never. <laughs> it just comes to you. It comes because we don't sell out. We speak truth, and we love people. We love God. We just want to change the world. That sounds cheesy and corny. Yeah. I don't care. I really believe we can change the world. I really believe we can, and and that's my mission in life—to reconcile Billy Graham's message with Dr. King's march, the vertical and the horizontal planes of the Christian message, and change the world.
0: So you're known also, though, as I mean, you're involved in civil rights activism and things like that. You say, you know, it it seems to come to you in certain instances. Do you go to it? Do you run to the fire?
1: There are issues that recently happened in America that require silence is not an option. Yeah and that require prophetic advocacy, uh-huh. not political, prophetic. So yeah, there are issues that I run to fires. when what I What are see some of
0: those issues for you? Any,
1: any racial injustice, yeah. any biblical injustice. So if they're persecuting Christians, yeah. we're involved globally now. We're traveling around the world of Muslim nations speaking to the heads of nations, to kings of nations, mm. addressing Christian persecution primarily in Muslim nations. Mm. So we're working on a pretty crazy agenda and seeing yeah. Muslim nations open up to seeing the gospel preached, and, and at least putting an end to Christian persecution, yeah. both de facto and de jour. So that's one of them. In America, any and all vestiges of, of racial disparity, bigotry, racism, um, it, it, we push back yeah. and you can't be silent. You have to push back. Or any other issue, race, religious liberty, the Christianity in the state of California under assault with legislative initiatives that come against our Judeo-Christian value system, where it would hamper my ability to preach the gospel completely. Yeah. We're gonna stand up, man. Yeah. So it's across the board. It's not just one thing. It's just across the board. Any, any attack on the image of God and the freedoms that God has given us, I will be there.
0: And are those are those conviction based? How do you choose? How do you choose your where your lines fall? I mean, for you, I'd assume scripture, but
1: it is scripture, and you have to be careful because you, you shouldn't be responding to everything. Uh, you, you don't want to be that guy. Right. You don't want to be you know the lawyer trailing the ambulance, the ambulance mm. chaser out there in the civil rights advocacy sort of you know plane. Right. You don't want to be that guy. What you want to do is be led by integrity. There are moments I just stood quiet. People ask me, say something on this, and I would. I just don't feel I should. Mm. I I just don't feel the release of heaven on this issue. But you need to say something. Well, I guess, you know, it's not gonna happen. So you really have to be really fully listening to God, and there are areas that you shouldn't step into. Listen to God, be sensitive to the spirit of God, and just follow his lead, follow his lead.
0: Do you find that, is that difficult going in in and out of the church world? Do you experience any type of, when you don't fall into traditional, maybe Republican or conservative values, when you look at the church at large, there's, especially in certain parts of our country, a lot of those Christians kind of align themselves with conservative values. Do you, even though you kind of, you say you kind of go outside of the lines of those, or you're independent. You don't necessarily. I'm in there, independent, you don't but I am a biblically party.
1: conservative. Okay. I am a, I, I am committed to biblical orthodoxy, which is biblical, traditional, conservative theology. So I'm a I'm a straight up Christ is the only way. Yeah, uh, Christ died, resurrected. It, it's the fundamental truths. It's you know it's the, the Nicene Creed. Uh, I adhere to it, sign off on it, one hundred twenty five percent. So on on other values that are not germane to scripture. I have my biblical worldview again I am staunchly pro-life yeah I mean 125 percent right and that drives me and and that bothers some of my Christian friends because they say why do you make life your number one issue because it is mm-hmm. because Christ came to give us life and life abundantly John 10:10 10, 10. and just to, yeah I wanna, I want to see abortion coming come, come to an end in my generation at the same time i 'm not that guy that 's out there judging women hating women, God forbid, quite the opposite. We just want to you know we want to help out the mom. These are critical decisions, and even the moms who have had abortions or the women who have had abortions don 't judge them you weren 't there you don 't know what they went yeah. through you know you don 't know the circumstance, so I can be both compassionate and convicted mm-hmm. and religious liberty and biblical justice so I, I, by the grace of god i 'm able to, to yeah. speak to A completely conservative audience in Alabama, which I just did last week. Really, one hundred percent.
0: How did that go? Amazing, because they
1: they, because they connect with me on on the on the Word of God, the centrality of Christ, biblical orthodoxy, and then I can jump to another audience. How about this? A purely African American audience Mm -hmm. that that votes about ninety two percent Democrat, and the same outcome. They respect different content. Same content, Same content, identical content, oh, wow. and and the, the, because they understand Billy Graham, Dr. King, mm. they get it. The fact that I'm independent, the yeah. fact that I'm committed to Billy Graham's message and Dr. King's march, and the fact that I've done it with that, that I've been in some sort of advisory capacity with three presidents. Yeah. So to, you know, so it's Bush, Obama for eight years, and I disagree with them. Yeah, and and now President Trump. So, so all of
0: them in different ways. There's different things that you. Yeah,
1: no, absolutely. There are things with each of them that I've done more than others. There are some, you know, more than others. But I disagree with them. But with all three of them, I can say explicitly that I that I respect and love them. Mm. All three, all three. Yeah. And uh, again, like like the First Lady uh, Michelle Obama, I think she was amazing.
0: Yeah.
1: Great. Right. and yeah. I, I had great exchanges with her. I was part of her. Uh, her. Uh, wellness program and uh let's move that was the name of yep, the program the yep. campaign and what a, an amazing brilliant woman and just you know and again I disagreed with President Obama on so many issues. Yeah. Uh but love him.
0: Are you friends with these guys? You I you can't know, see that would yeah. be that
1: would be awkward for me to say I'm friends because then it would be quite did we go golfing, then I play basketball, did <laughs> we get Starbucks together? Are you a golfer?
0: No, I can't. Oh. I'm a caddy. Okay.
1: I'm an anointed caddy. So that would be awkward yeah. to say friends, but but yeah. it's you know it's it's just I love these guys. When, when I did the inauguration for Trump, my, one of my highlights was, if you look at it on YouTube, I'm mm. going back to my seat, I broke protocol. So Trump is to my left, President Trump, President-elect at that Intentionally moment. Intentionally you did? No, no, no. So I'm supposed to, there's a protocol, you actually get a protocol sheet. Okay. You, you, know, you speak, you turn around, you don't greet anyone, you don't talk to anyone, you yeah. go back to your seat. And I'm, I'm right there, you, you know, I'm here, the, the Obamas, right. the Clintons, and I was hiding behind the Bushes, sorry. <laughs> I had to go there. I had to go there. I was hiding behind the bushes. True story, though. Watch the picture. I'm literally behind a, a George and Laura bush. So I'm hiding behind oh the bushes. And, but I broke protocol because President Obama extended his hand. Mm. And, and pulled me in. I hugged him. I lost it, dude. Mm. I lost it. That's the moment. My, tear, my eyes swelled up. I don't cry. I don't cry. I mean, when the Yankees lost in 2001 against the Diamondbacks, you know, I. Yeah. Not besides that. But other than that, so. What made you emotional? For eight years, you know, I was connected to, and I was a part of the Fatherhood Task Force. I would go in there and speak on immigration, religious, liberty issues, you know. And and just the fact that the that the, the president who's leaving, exiting, took his time to stand up in the middle of the inauguration to reach out to me. Brought mm. me in and gave me a hug and said, Sam, I'm so proud of you.
0: Wow. I lost it. Yeah.
1: And then, the first lady, Michelle, grab you from behind that 's why look and there are people in your audience who may go like, oh man he's got
0: yeah.
1: I love people, yeah, even when I disagree with them on certain issues why, you know why can't we just why can't we see the image of God and go right. beyond the hate and just go like, "Hey, man, I value you, I disagree with you politically on this yeah. issue." But I recognize the fact that you're creating the image of God. Yeah. And that's the way I see them. And, you know, with George W., God bless him, he's a jokester. And he, yeah. he looked at me and said, Sam, you've lost weight. You look great, man. <laughs> um, and with President Trump, it's a different dynamic and a different relationship. And I'm, yeah. I'm there by the grace of God. First Corinthians fifteen ten. I get that. Yeah. And if I blow it and I think it's me, the moment I think this a Sam Rodriguez and yeah. it's me, I'm going to lose it. So you're very aware of that. Oh, my God, every day. Every day I wake up knowing everything I experience is exclusively by the grace of God. It's all 1 Corinthians fifteen ten. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Absolutely.
0: So have you worked, if, if a lot of it's by the grace of God and unexpected, what have you worked for on the other but
1: side? You have to prep, see, because you can't ask God for a car if you don't, if you don't have a driver's license.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you have to meet God halfway. So, educationally speaking, in my reading, in my discipline, in my prayer life, in my integrity, in my pursuit of righteousness, in the way I treat my staff, my family, my life, I want to make sure my private and my public life have continuity. Yeah. So, you know, I want my children and my children's children to say, dad is actually holier privately than he is publicly. Mm. So, I work on that. I work on looking more like Jesus, loving more like Jesus, forgiving more like Jesus, yeah, yeah. healing more like Jesus. Yeah. Being real. Right. like the real you that authentic thing that I'm kinda... obsessed with authenticity and transparency
0: yeah is is that hard um i guess like i, I think about issues like immigration right yeah, i mean that's yeah. something that you kind of have to yeah
1: i am i, I, I... <laughs> <laughs> My God. Do, you,
0: do you get is it do you get frustrated when there isn't progress in the way that I mean to go through that many different 13 administrations? Years, thirteen years, we were I mean, there. At some point, that's
1: when, when President Bush called us in on that issue. I worked with Carl Rove on it, his, chief of, his assistant, deputy chief of staff, and actually the one who ran his campaigns. I worked on this man, and we thought we had it. And when I worked with Marco Rubio on a bill with the Senate, we thought we had it, and we lost by a vote. It's been a crazy thirteen years on this one issue. How many times have I been to D.C. on immigration issues? It's been crazy. It's been worked with John McCain on it, Ted Kennedy. have a mm-hmm. letter from Senator Kennedy that I have framed somewhere in the office. Um, and it's, 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 it fr- it's frustrating because it, there's an easy solution. That sounds crazy to say. There is an easy solution. Which is? I sat down with the president over dinner, this president, uh-huh. and I gave him my proposal. Right, so I handed it to the president. Said you know, and I, So I know he has it. Jared has it. So real simple, it's yeah. not complicated. One, secure the border, stop illegal immigration. We are, we are a nation of rules. So you're a fan of the wall? Not necessarily a physical concrete wall because mm-hmm. we're beyond that, to be honest. We could have infrared technology, satellite imaging. Mm-hmm. We could read a license plate in Afghanistan from miles away, dude. We could, read it, we could, we could see yeah. a thousand people with backpacks coming ca- over the Rio Grande if we want to.
0: Yeah.
1: It's all about resource allocation. So, so it's
0: not necessary.
1: Not a f- parts of it physically, yeah, yeah, but parts of it virtual. Technology, yeah. man, it's all technology, satellite imaging, infrared. My god, bells and whistles.
0: But do you think that the, why, then why? why but but the we whole can stop
1: illegal immigration, we need to, by the way. Yeah. like from a humanitarian standpoint, I know this firsthand. Um, what they do to girls, man, yeah, nine, ten, seven, eight year old girls, the coyotes, mm-hmm. they rape girls, mm. they rape boys,
0: mm.
1: but primarily girls, dude. You, as a Christian. I want to stop all illegal immigration to protect these people from being raped. Yeah, And it's, it's, a, it's crazy. And likewise, because we are a sovereign nation and we need to protect the sovereignty of our citizenry. We're, I mean, we're, this is not anarchy. Yeah. Open borders is an idea for the new Jerusalem. We're not there yet, sunshine. Yeah. Yeah. So, no. Uh, We need to protect our border. That's number one, secure the border. Number two is, what do we do with those that are currently here undocumented? Well, if they're here and they're not living off welfare and they're hardworking and God-fearing individuals, Mm -hmm. which the vast majority of them are, 99% of them, I know they they attend our churches, uh, let's find a pathway to legalization, but not citizenship. Mm. So if you came here illegally, there's a price to pay. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: What's the price? You're never going to become a citizen. Don't live off welfare, don't live off government subsidies. If you're hardworking, which they are, my God, some of the hardest working people on the planet, Mm-hmm. Right now are undocumented individuals in America. Indeed, so these are beautiful people. They, yeah. they attend our churches, I know them. Yeah. These are I, I preach to them every Sunday. So yes, let's keep them in here, let's legalize them, and let's deport the gangbangers, the drug traffickers, the pedophiles, the rapists, those that are involved in nefarious activities. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, let's deport each and every one of them, that, which is about what, less than 1%. Yeah. The other 99, let's legalize them, but no citizenship for them, but for their children, Absolutely, because yeah. these kids should not pay for the sins of their parents. So if the kids came over, why should they pay the price? Like they had any say. Yeah. makes no sense. I gave that solution to the president. what do you say? I think, I mean, this is this is something even conservatives will sign on to because they're afraid of getting 11 million Democratic voters giving it to the other side. It's yeah. all about politics. If you legalize 11 million people and make them citizens, in their opinion, that's potentially 11 million new Democratic voters, Democratic meaning big D, party voters, mm-hmm. and which is not true by the way, uh, because Latinos are not 100%. 30% of Latinos voted for Trump. Mm. 44% voted for Bush because of their Christianity, their Christian faith. Because mm. Latinos are the most staunchest pro-life community in America, more than white evangelicals. Really. So because of that, Latin, even with all the tweets and all that, they voted yeah. 30% for Trump. Yeah. And that you asked them why life,
0: that that was the issue. Yeah, that was the
1: issue. Like we're gonna vote, we're gonna because life trumps Trump. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. So, but but again, that was the solution I gave them. And uh, do hope- you
0: prioritize your convictions like that? Like, do you when in choosing? Like, I've had conversations with people about this. Like, when choosing a candidate, you know. There are certain people that, you know, they have these plus assets and liabilities, these assets and liabilities. If,
1: if they're if they not life, I can't support them. So that's
0: your number one guy. Right.
1: But what if they're pro-life, but yet they're like unbelievably evil, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I will. I will. I won't vote for either. Just, yeah. Yeah, I won't. No, right. So, so my point to you is the other guy's completely pro-choice or a pro-abortion better yet. Yeah. And they believe in ninth month abortion, right? Or that's, that's infanticide. Uh, and the the other guy on the other side is pro life, but like really bad, and another values. I'm just not going to vote for either. Yeah, you know. But so yeah, I I do have values.
0: Uh-huh. Do you w- being in the in the political sector like with these guys? Do you feel like? there is genuine care about the people, especially with issues like immigration. I've heard, I mean, I've heard, I mean, I'm not in that world, so I've heard that sometimes that's used even as kind of like a bargaining chip or bargaining tool, like some of the uh, topics. I'm Do you like, see it, that?
1: It, I've seen this issue used by both Democrats and Republicans for political gain. Because uh, President, Ob- President Obama had a chance to address, again, I have great love for him and affinity, yeah. but he had a chance to, pass immig- to push immigration reform better yet. But he, he sacrificed immigration on the altar of health care.
0: Yeah.
1: So he basically put all of his eggs in the proverbial basket of health care. Yeah. Instead of immigration. Yeah. And that's heartbreaking because yeah. he had a Democratic majority in both houses. He could have passed immigration reform, hmm. but rather he selected to pass health care reform.
0: It's crazy. Do you, th- do you think you've gotten to know, obvi- well, you've been around? And by the way,
1: so did uh, Trump. He had, you know, both houses. What do you mean? When Trump first came in, he had a Republican House and a Republican Senate. Yeah. Yeah. So he could have passed immigration reform then. But the House and the Senate did not agree. Mm -hmm. So in both parties, man, both parties have played politics of immigration reform, which is sad
0: because it seems like there's not almost a genuine concern. Like these are real people. Real people. These are real people,
1: real people created in the image of God, both citizen and immigrant alike. And it's a tough issue. Again, I don't want people coming here illegally. Is some of it an issue of dehumanization? Of, I mean, like rhetorically, there yeah. is some rhetoric, as we saw in El Paso. There's, there's there are certain I, re- there is rhetoric that exacerbates, the, that exacerbates and activates the the venom of bigotry in certain individuals who don't do not have the mental capacity to manage things well.
0: Yeah.
1: So it triggers something. Yeah. T- words matter. Right. For, I mean so we have to be careful across the board I'm not just speaking about one part one branch of government that's the executive branch and the legislative branch we have to be careful across the board both mm-hmm. branches have have failed miserably in having a a mature conversation on the subject matter of immigration without the, the hyperbole and the rhetoric that just exacerbates negativity and darkness yeah
0: I know, obviously, the, 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 you know, the ideas of racism and things like that, especially in some of these shootings, obviously come back full circle. Breaks, and breaks my
1: heart. Breaks yeah. my heart. And that guy walked into Walmart and the manifesto, if it's proven to be his and it looks like it is, and just say, you know, the Hispanic invasion and all that. Yeah. What are you kidding me? Yeah. What is a Hispanic invasion, by the way? Yeah. Like, what is that? Like, seriously speaking, like, what does yeah. that mean? Yeah. America's becoming too his. What does that mean? We're right. not even a race, dude. Yeah. We're, we're, we're not like there's white Latinos, there's black Latinos, yeah. there's brown Latinos, there's Asian looking Latinos. Yeah. I have no idea what that means. Seriously speaking, it's just again, it's like ugh, you know, it's cognitive myopia. Yeah, but yeah,
0: where do you stand on issues like that, like with the gun control thing? And I mean, is it kind well, of
1: well? Uh, I'm a Second Amendment guy as it pertains to there's, I understand, uh, yeah. historically why we have a Second Amendment, mm-hmm. and it's not to go hunting, yeah. it's not. We have a Second Amendment because we so have- So it's
0: not to go hunting because some people like to use that as their name. No, it isn't. It's we, have, they need their we, guns. Have,
1: we have a historical Second Amendment, which is, which is a firewall against secular tyranny. The, the founding fathers said, keep your guns because if government ever tries to take away your rights, your God-given rights, mm. you have an ability to fight back. Mm. The reason we have With guns? guns? No, oh, absolutely. The reason we have guns is to protect ourselves. Who should protect your kids? an intruder comes in, who is, who is primarily responsible? It's either you or government, mm. and it should be you. It should be mom, dad, we have the, the power and the obligation to protect our families from outside intrusion, and if government would have the audacity of coming in and say we're gonna take away your rights, your rights of freedom of speech, freedom of religion, yeah. freedom of assembly, secular tyranny. What if a Hitler ever arises? What can protect us against a Stalin and a Hitler, and a Chavez, and a mm-hmm. Castro, the fact that Americans are armed to the hilt mm-hmm. will will secure the fact that an Adolf Hitler, an Adolf Hitler, a Lenin, a Stalin, a Castro, will never, ever, ever lead America. It's a firewall against secular totalitarianism. That's mm-hmm. why we have guns to protect ourselves from any intruder, even if it is under the vestige of trying to revoke or take away our rights. Right. So it's that's the reality of why we have guns.
0: That being said, you're you're pro being gun s- control. That being
1: said, man, I mean, you're kidding me. Why? Why? Yeah, men, people with mental incapacitation or mental handicaps, meaning they they have to have illness, depression, and whatever it may be that is chronic, measurable of yeah. uh, uh, what uh, spousal abuse. If you're involved in domestic abuse, if you smack around your wife, you should lose your right to have a gun. Yeah. Absolutely. So I do believe in the whole red flag component yeah. and strong betting. And I'm even in support of if private to private sales. Yeah, there should be a betting process there. Right. I, I agree with all that. All of these are practical things that we can do that we should do that are bipartisan indeed. Mm-hmm. Whether, whether or not we should you know, ban assault weapons like we did from I believe 1994 to 2004, 1996 mm-hmm. to 2004, um, I don't know. Because, if, I mean, my, again, I'm a Second Amendment guy as it pertains to making sure I have the right to defend my family. And, and I'm not gonna just wait for 20 minutes for the cops to come in. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. And so you it, may
0: be pro-assault I, I, weapons I, I, of...
1: I don't know. I haven't crossed that, that yeah. Jordan. You know, but, you know, again, what do we need to protect our families? You know, what, what, what capacity? What magazine capacity? What, that's a different question. Yeah. But the right to bear arms is a sacred trust embedded in our founding documents that cannot be taken away or watered down or diluted.
0: I heard you talk something tonight that I hadn't heard before because there's a lot of conversation like when you look at our world now and these things happening, like it's never been this dark before and even like mass shootings and things like that. You were talking about how We've experienced things we like this before. We have talked but because bit. of
1: social media platforms and 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 media as it pertains to just occupying oxygen in the space of information dissemination, we get it now. Back in the we, in back in the 1900s, there was anarchist movement. Absolutely, mm. there, there were. Yeah, indeed. And then in the 1960s, the riots. Are you kidding me?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Sure. there have so been mass is, shootings before. We've been down this road before. Yeah. There's there have been great moments of of unbridled darkness that by the grace of God, an awakening took place and pushed back. And that's occurred on a number of occasions. And here we are again. So I really do believe what we share today. It's, it's inevitable. We're about to see an awakening like we've never seen before.
0: Do you think some of this though is just, you know, media, social media is just giving a louder voice to stuff that's already been pre-existing?
1: Social media exacerbates, elevates. There's a lot of hype. We live in a world of hype. I alluded to that in the sermon. There's a lot of hype out there. It's all about the biggest noise. Who can make? Who can be louder? It's a loud world, dude. Silence is a commodity right now. (laughs) Like to be chill. Yeah. It's like because who's louder? It's all about drawing attention to yourself, to your cause, and it's just a lot of noise right now in the system. Well, and especially
0: because the hype doesn't just come from America. I mean, a lot of this, I mean, you you get into conversations about other countries meddling, you know, Russia, 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 Russian, Russia, Russia. I mean, always Russia, right? <laughs> always Russia. Is a lot of that, do you think that's that's real? Or is a lot of that almost a diversion away from, you know, to, to blame blame else, other, other people? I, I think on... that's
1: more scapegoating and projection. Other really? nations are likewise involved. Do nations, are, are, are there actual conspiracies of nations that would love to undermine American authority around the world? America, America's global quote-unquote dominant strong term, but in reality, socially, economically, politically, culturally, military-wise? Yes, yeah. China and Russia would love to see the diluting of American influence in the 21st century, and that's the objective.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, so absolutely, but it, when we just focus on what others are doing externally and not addressing our own issues internally, that's where we go wrong. There's so many things we can do together as a nation, right now, yeah. we can solve so many issues right now. And mm-hmm. and because we're, comp- we're we are fragmented, this whole racial, yeah. we're, we're fragmented by race and sexuality. Mm-hmm. Listen, we we've created idols out of the color of someone's skin, mm-hmm. and out of someone's sexual preference, mm-hmm. or or someone's biological, physiological, or or sexual identity motif. At the end of the day, though, this, we're actually creating idols.
0: What do you mean by that?
1: My God, these are the most important things in the world now.
0: Oh, like yeah, we pedestal it.
1: Oh my! It's race and sex and all the me, all the vestiges and lanes having to do with sex. Why are we obsessed with race and sex? Does that become a distraction? It's it's a disruption. Uh. It's a disruption to doing the common good together as a nation. And not what defines you as a human being? It's the fact that you're you you know you have a nefesh, you have a soul, you have God ordained purpose and destiny, and you're created in the image of God. We need to stop creating idols out of sexuality and race and just see you as a fellow human being, child of God. Mm-hmm. I, I don't wake up in the morning obsessed with, what color am I? Yeah, I don't, I'm not driven by the color of my skin, my ethnicity, um, my language. I'm driven by God-ordained purpose and love and grace.
0: What causes people to be obsessed with those things?
1: If that obsession gives you an ability to demand an entitlement, mm. one way or another, if that obsession leads you or compels you or helps you become a perpetual victim where, mm. where you can attract people's pity, then that's an issue. Now, or have there been legitimate issues that have, to, that have been addressed and need to continue? Absolutely, if racism in America was real, is real. Mm-hmm. Uh, bigotry still lives. Because it's part of the sinful nature of man. Uh, so I'm not speaking to the fact that you should never address these issues. I'm, I'm, I'm the first one in line addressing these issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you become obsessed right. with that, if you wake up in the morning, you see yourself primarily as black, white, yellow, or brown, instead of I am a I am a child of God, yeah. you're going to have some What issue. about
0: seeing other people that way? Because some people are comfortable with their own choices and lifestyles, but their obsession is not... Over the victimization side of this is who I am and respect me for me, but you're, you shouldn't be able to be that.
1: Which and I have again, it, it's called hypocrisy, right? There's yeah. a lack of continuity and coherence right. and logic. Yeah. So you fight for your cause, but you have a problem with what I believe. Yeah. If you're going to create space, if you, some of the most intolerant people, are the people that have been fighting for tolerance. Yeah. How about that? Hmm. Look at that. Hey Dorothy, we're not in Kansas anymore. I want to see people that fought yeah. for tolerance to say, even though I disagree with what you believe, yeah, yeah I'm going to make space for you because yeah. I fought for a long time for you to make space for me. Yeah. But yeah, I see bigotry on the other side as it pertains to certain ideas and concepts and so forth. Again, our job as a Christian church is to be light in the midst of darkness. I, I made a choice a few years back. I could either curse the, I could either go in there and curse the darkness, rebuke the darkness. What am I going to do? Blow a shofar and and move some flags around and tell the darkness to leave? Or I could turn on the light. And my commitment is rather than complain about the darkness, I'm going to be light. Wherever I go, I'm going to turn on the light. I'm not going to focus on the darkness. I'm going to focus on turning on the light. So
0: you being passionate about politics and knowing in the political realm you have people outside of your, you know, perception or your belief system and then being in the church world you have, you know, you're preaching to people that are for the most part, you know, seeking God through Christianity. How do you have opinions or try to build policy that kind of takes care of everybody while at the same time knowing Brilliant. you possess convictions that yeah. could sometimes Brilliant, go against those? Brilliant.
1: Because my objective is to advance an agenda of Psalm eighty-nine, fourteen. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and truth lead the way as attendance. Mm. Powerful verse, everyone should memorize it mm-hmm. because every government should stem out of that biblical verse. Righteousness mm. and justice with love and truth leading the way. So all of my policies, some of them are not, I. how about this, let me surprise you.
0: Okay.
1: In, the, in about, I think it's 2008, 2009, I forget, it's been a while now. We launched a campaign called ImagoDayCampaign.org. Mm-hmm. It was the first ever evangelical global campaign mm. that fought for the recognition of the image of God in every human being. That sounds weird for your audience, let me explain. Yeah. So this was the statement, every single human being in and out of the womb carries the image of God. Black, white, yellow, brown, gay, straight, Muslim, atheist, Christian, yeah. Jews, we all carry the image of God. Therefore, we should treat each other with love and respect. The fact that I included everyone was revolutionary. Mm. I was, wow. And groups that, 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 people that are part of these respective communities reached out to me and said, you actually included me? You believe that I, that I carry the image of God? I went, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. But don't you guys like dislike us? I go, nope. I mm. have no idea what you guys you are referencing. Not in my Christian worldview. Yeah. No. So you believe I carry the image? Yes. That does not mean that I sacrifice biblical truth on holy sexuality or any other idea. I adhere to biblical truth. I believe what the Bible says about absolutely everything. And, and, and it's not even about what I believe. I preach the word. Yeah. So my opinion doesn't matter. So when I'm asked in interviews, what do you believe about this? I go, who cares? I'm a preacher of the gospel. I adhere to biblical truth. Mm-hmm. And that's what I preach and teach. So it that campaign right there, see, I we accommodated a very broad audience without diluting our biblical principles.
0: And a lot of people have a hard time with that. I mean a hard time with I think people end up using the Bible as sometimes a tool to defend their own personal opinion rather than the opposite of what you're saying, adhering to it. So I I can, I use it. Sometimes we can use scripture as a weapon to hurt you, but but you've seen people do that. That, I mean, that's that's what what most people, that's what a lot of people in the Christian sector do.
1: And they have, they have in the past. I think we were seeing an emerging generation, your Mm -hmm, generation. mm -hmm. So you're in your thirties, I'm in my Mm -hmm. forties. I see it, you know, it's, I think we have a more loving yet truthful, mm-hmm. world view. Mm-hmm. And if anyone in my church would ever discriminate against anyone because of their lifestyle, whatever it may be, if any of my leadership, that would be the last day they would be in leadership. Mm. Because we're, we're called to speak truth with love. Yeah. And to create space for an encounter with the risen Christ. Yeah, And I wanna have, I, I, I love people, man. I don't care where you come from, what yeah. you believe. My church, we don't do politics. Uh, We're 40% white, 40% black, and 20% confused. So, I mean, (laughs) I I have a great, beautiful church, man, and with Democrats, Republicans, we have every stripe of every single community in America represented, but we preach the truth of the gospel. We don't water it down, and people love it because we preach truth with love. And man, it's just, we can do this. I've yeah. seen it.
0: Which is so funny because it's probably not the assumption of you being because you're involved in politics. They would think that your church is probably you know, going to- I don't even
1: bring it up. I meet in the White House. I never- t- And my, my church, I never say it from the pulpit.
0: So they don't even know. I they mean, they, don't... they saw me on Fox, yeah, because CNN, they, see... they saw me on television. But they so don't hear it from you in no, church. No, they
1: won't because that's not what church is for. Because politics divide. So I will I will not feed into anything that even has to, the, the, the vestige of bringing about division.
0: Does your ego ever want you to? No, my ego, my, does like, your ego ever drive you to say, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like some, they're me, you're meeting with the president of the United States.
1: Oh no, I haven't, I may have the opposite issue that I'm in therapy for. <laughs> really? I think that if I blow that up too much, that, that doors may close. Uh, I, I really fear the Lord. Yeah. I really fear that if I go out there and become braggadocious, Yeah. I don't need to. Yeah. I don't post. Yeah. If you yeah. see my posting, it's all about preachings and yeah. inspiration and, and I just finished speaking with the President of the United States. I don't post. Yeah. Other people do, God bless them. I don't judge them, but I don't. Yeah. Why would I want to post? I mean, if you're, how, those that know, know. Yeah. So if I'm meeting with the President, I, did, I, did, did, now, did, I take, did did. someone take a picture of, yeah. Do I have it on my iPhone? Yeah. yeah. After, after they leave office. My only picture that I posted with me and President Obama mm-hmm. was the day he left the White House,
0: mm.
1: thanking him and so forth. Yeah. And maybe the same thing I'll do with President Trump, and possibly I think I will, because why? You're there. And it's like those yeah. that know, know. I go there, it's fun, because I'm, I'm true story. I went in there, I was walk I, I met with the president. while well, I'm walking down the corridor of the, of the West Wing and, and the White House. I'm walking down, and all of a sudden, I'm by myself. I started praying in mm. the White House, I'm just praying, and just praying for God to cover the, you know, the executive branch, the president, his family and praying in Jesus name I, I again we have to be careful not to think it's us right it really is you're going know, to sound like super humility here it's not man trust <laughs> no, it's me it's there. Not, I, I can tell you i it i fear god yeah. and i just think I, I go there thinking about my kids
0: yeah that's you know? what you go in yeah, yeah. About.
1: I, i'm driven by my kids i want to i wouldn't leave my kids a better world mm. and if my words can help if my words and, and what i share can help this world become better i want to leave a better world for my kids
0: Talking about President Trump, people obviously on both sides of the fence with policy and other stuff, um, as it pertains to how he presents himself to the general public, is your belief that he is misunderstood or is he understood as he desires to be?
1: Both. Both. I think part of it's intentional and the other part is just he is misunderstood. Really? Sure. In what ways? Well, I, I mean, I mean, again, I don't sign off on absolutely everything that he right, says, right, right. or his rhetoric or his, his tweets or of his policies have been pretty remarkable to be very forthright as it pertains in a very positive light, unbelievable. His economic policies, what? Second to none. Yeah. Um, And and as it pertains to our Judeo-Christian value system, this president has done more to save lives as it pertains to abortion than any other president since 1973. Mm. And religious liberty? Uh, he, there was an assault on religious liberty and if not for this president, you and I would have a difficult time preaching the gospel of Christ. That's not hyperbole, that's a matter of fact. Mm. I know that firsthand. Mm. And ending Christian persecution, I mean, there are areas that you, you just want to say thank you, Mr. President. Absolutely. Yeah. There are areas that I do disagree with the president on, respectfully, and there are there, there are times that I I do not prefer some of his tweets. Yeah. No.
0: Does he know? Does he know that that's? I mean, obviously he knows. I, I, I believe he knows. I, you
1: know, I, I believe he's cognizant of the fact. Mm. At the same time, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit torn. Yeah. Because I've been with him. And I've heard him say some amazing things mm. about the immigrant community. Mm. Been with him.
0: It's always easy to judge when you're not in the room.
1: I've been there, man. You know. I've been with him and. I always reference one thing, which is, you know, some of your listeners may be very perturbed. I going to say, say it when they say President Trump is anti-immigrant. Again, I, I there are there are things that I would rather him not say, mm-hmm. and there are things that, that I I have actually critiqued him on respectfully. Mm. I have, with great due deference. I have. Does he take it from you? I I rather not say because that would violate that confidentiality. But you know, <laughs>
0: but I mean, it's respectful. I mean, because there's some things and in his, t- but there's it's, some things in his tweets when he tweets things, it comes across very disrespectful. It, face to face, is it different?
1: Face, no. Again, he's it, it, one of the most um, affable, mm. caring individuals you can meet privately. Yeah, oh. uh, without a doubt. And oh. and, and uh, with, I, I I met with a president who talked to me about when we were talking about the kids being separated. Mm-hmm. Talked to me about his grandkids, mm. and said, "I see my grandkids there." He said that. Yeah, to me. I mean, I've, I've had kind of, that's why my whole point is people don't know. Yeah. And I'm not justifying everything right. he tweets. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. That's not my job. Yeah. You know, I'm not here to defend President Trump. Again, there are areas where I've disagreed with him. Likewise, I there are areas I defended President Obama and areas where I critiqued him heavily because I yeah. you know I thought his policies did not line up yeah. with what's what's best for the nation. Um but I just if we can create some space and give people room to grow and develop and not be so judgmental, I just think right now things are so uber polarized, yeah and I would love to see every American praying for our president, yeah, just like we should have prayed for Obama. I had issues when people would critique Obama and, and call him names, yeah, you could critique him on policy and so forth, but to label him one way or another, I had issues with that yeah and so and with Bush my god one of the nicest people on the planet you could ever meet and boy is he ever funny yeah I bet. <laughs> uh, amazing amazing and yeah. so i I, mean, I sound corny here yeah i love i have had the privilege of, of having contact with three presidents yeah. and i love each and every one of them
0: well i could talk to you for hours but i want to respect your time you got to get back home thanks for staying late tonight and for for stopping by thank you for having me appreciate man. it
1: thank you